0: Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 15th of July. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1851 and we travel to France where an extraordinary woman, Anne-Marie Jarve, often known as Ninette, who died today at the age of 72. One of her last missions was in French Guyana. At the government's request, she was asked to prepare 600 slaves for emancipation and as each family was ready to be freed, she would arrange for them to have money, some land and a cottage. Born in the east of France, in the commune of Chamblanc, 10 years before the start of the French Revolution, through her teen years, she helped to hide and care for a number of priests persecuted in the revolution, including keeping watch for them as they said mass, She also taught catechism, because the nuns were either in exile or in hiding. On one occasion, her father, disapproving of his daughter's daring enterprise, sneaked up on an unsuspecting catechism class to demonstrate how easily she might be caught. However, she outwitted him, and switched to arithmetic, proving to her father that she had devised a system of vigilance to protect her while she catechised. Angry at being outwitted, he forbade her to carry on this practice in the barn. She realised this was because he loved her and wanted to protect her during the dangerous anti-religious climate that the revolution had created. She obeyed, but demonstrated her resourcefulness by using the orchard, the garden, the fields and the road as her classroom and their prayers became more intense. The fury and the terror of the revolution grew, and Father Balanche, a hunted priest, found refuge in the family home. The 17-year-old Nanette passed those anxious days of vicious persecution, accompanying her father, who taught business while she quietly arranged rendezvous in old barns where the faithful might hear nighttime sermons, confess their sins, and attend the dawn mass. Proving to be a gifted organiser, she would send her brother Etienne and Jean Petitjean, the young man who had hoped to marry her, on mysterious trips in the family cot. <laughs> Under piles of potato and hay, Father Blanche used to lie, while the brave faithful awaited him in some lonely place. For more about how the church survived the French Revolution, see the pod of May the 8th. After Napoleon had suppressed the terror of the revolution and brought order and re-established the church in France through a Concordat, things settled down. And Nanette joined the Daughters of Charity at Bessan. There she is reported to have had a vision of Teresa of Avila, and trusting children of different races to her. Returning home, she started a school for poor children near Chamblanc, before briefly entering the Trappistine convent. Leaving after the Novichit, it became clear that she was called to start her own congregation, and so she joined by three of her sisters. They opened a school and an orphanage. She founded the Sisters of St. Joseph to educate children, and to help reduce the miseries which arose out of the French Revolution, but she was soon in demand elsewhere. Their success led them to be invited to open schools and orphanages in Senegal, Guyana and Guadeloupe. And at the request of the British government, she left for St Mary's in Gambia, a holding place for about 400 slaves taken from Moorish vessels that were confiscated in a crackdown on the Arab slave trade. It was effectively a squalid dumping ground, but she was able to gain trust, establish order, and she left one sister at Gambia in charge of these improvements, while at the insistence of the British governor, who was impressed with her achievements, she moved on to Sierra Leone. The abolition of the Slave Trade Act had been passed by the British Parliament in 1807, coinciding with the last dark years of the French Revolution. However, in the idealistic early days of the French Republic, slavery had been abolished in 1794. But the chaos that ensued as the revolutionaries became more extreme and then turned on themselves meant that Napoleon had revoked that degree in 1802. The French Republic abolished the slave trade again in 1815, but the degree did not come into effect until 1826. Immediate liberation was impossible and the transition had to be carefully managed to reduce acts of vengeance, but also as this would place a financial strain on the various French colonies' budgets, especially in the Caribbean. A seven-year probation period was decided upon and in French Guyana 500 slaves walked off the plantations and headed to Cayenne, the capital where they were put on the government payroll and subleased back to their old plantations. Nanette's assistance was requested. As King Louis-Philippe exclaimed with a certain irony, Madame Javaray is a great man. Very soon it was agreed that a colony should be set up not on the original site as first proposed, but on the Manor Plateau, which was cooler, less muggy, and Nanette was put completely in charge. On the 21st of May, after mass, 185 slaves were emancipated. In the the records, one of them is recorded to have said to Mother Nanette, we are free now, but we will never be free from the debt that we owe you. We can only repay you with this promise. You will never be ashamed of us. When they received their charters of freedom, some immediately handed them over to Nanette the one person that they could trust. Soon, that manor was truly prospering, and 400 slaves had been emancipated, and this led to a prosperity which attracted the jealousy of local colonists, and a plot was hatched to kill her. The boatman who was to tip her into the crocodile infested water, however, could not bring himself to do it. However, ecclesial jealousy was more difficult to overcome, and the local Bishop Gouillier, threatened by a woman he couldn't control, wanted to excommunicate the White Queen, if she didn't put aside her religious habit. For two years she refused to submit to the ecclesial bullying and remained in disgrace a scandal to all. When she returned to France, another Bishop, appalled at her excommunication, lifted it and her congregation grew and spread. Still Bishop Willier persuaded the Bishop of Autun in France to try and destroy her congregation. And one of his priests warned the 80 postulants and novices at Cluny that it was sinful to obey the orders of any of the superiors namely those who were loyal to Nanette. And all but seven of these young nuns stood by their foundress. Next, the Bishop of Autun secretly scattered reports to all the bishops in whose diocese the congregation had houses in order to defame her. However another revolution in France in 1848 meant that she was able to organise the sisters into a kind of ambulance brigade which cared for the wounded. Finally on the 15th of July 1851 the Mother General and the foundress of the Sisters of St. Joseph of Cluny died. She was 71 years old, and she had forgiven the bishop, who for 18 years had tried to destroy her life's work. He had died a month before, and a half hour before her death, she said to Sister Rosalie, we ought to think of his lordship as one of our benefactors. God made use of him to try us, when, as a rule, we were hearing around us nothing but praise. She was beatified in 1950, an incredible woman. and No wonder she was called the Velvet Brick. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the complicated legacy of Pope Innocent III, who according to the French theologian Yves Congar, was one of the most effective reformers of the medieval church. I hope you've enjoyed listening. For links to any reading that I've done to research us, then visit us on www.pogp.net. If you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. And if you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.